You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. All right, welcome. I invite you to turn to First Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel chapter chapter 16. It'll be on the screen in a few minutes behind me. But we're going to be continuing our series in the life of David, and just David is a life that we talked about. Somebody historically, one of the most historically influential people. Um, in our world's history, everybody, you know, most people know of David or have heard of David, the story of David and Goliath last week, you know, all sorts of things about David. Uh, he's a life that impacted generations. Um, you know, so David you know, was listed in the genealogy of Jesus and uh, generations, that's a, that's like a big word. You know, we talk about generations, like it's one thing to be like, in a, you know, just, you know, a couple of days, a couple of years, you know, impacted, you know, a country, but to in, impact generations, um, you know, generations, it's one of those things, if you've been following the, the news this week, there was a, a young girl that sort of captured the, the headlines um, for uh, her um, passion and calling out the older generation for what she believes to be a lack of uh, attention to environmental issues and things like that at the UN. So anybody see that? Anybody see that? Yeah, some of you. Yeah, some of you don't watch the news ever. You just have no idea. Um, but uh, it's... It's just interesting to watch, you know, generations develop, and um, it's hard to generalize about generations. We we tend to do that. We like to do that. We like to put labels on things, right? We like to we like to label generations. Um, began, you know, I don't know, any of you know the greatest generation, right? I remember back in the beginning, you hear the greatest generation. Andy's excited about that. Um, the early 1900s, right? You had World War II, you know, and the Great Depression kind of let you know created this. Just nobility in people, and it was, you know, I think it was Tom Brokaw who wrote the book, uh, The Greatest Generation, and, uh, you know, just talked about what that generation, what the qualities of those, the people who lived during that time was, and then from there came the, the silent generation, or uh, also called the builder generation, but it was sort of this, you know, get your, you know, get to work, you know, keep quiet, put your, put your head down, and, and, you know, during McCarthyism and all that kind of stuff, so people weren't really talking a whole lot, they were just sort of, you know, it was this, this silent generation, and then, then followed by the baby boomers. How many baby boomers in the room? Raise your hand if you're a baby boomer. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Look at you. You're not clapping. Yeah, you're not, are you not proud of it? Come on. Baby boomers. Yes. Woo. You know, baby boomers, right? You were living the American dream, moving to the suburbs, right? Uh, form communities. Let's, let's live the good life. Let's, you know, work hard, build, you know, just follow the American dream. These are the, the baby boomers, right? There was lots and lots of you, uh, lots and lots of you. Then after baby, baby, baby boomers came the uh, Generation X. Generation X. Where's all my Xers? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, okay, that's we got a good, a good, a good crew of Generation X. You were the slacker generation. Yes, raised on MTV, and uh, you know your parents because your parents as baby boomers were so focused on their own goals that they forgot about you. So kids going home, raising themselves, MTV, and. Uh, uh, latchkey kids, things like that. Divorce rose to an all-time high during this generation, Generation X. You know, the angst of, you know, that's where Nirvana and all the, you know, Pearl Jam, all this good, you know, grunge music came from and all this, all this stuff. So Generation X and then following Generation X was Generation Y, which is also now known as the Millennials. Millennials, but don't worry, I'm not going to bash Millennials. So how many Millennials in the room? All right, yeah, you got a few. I got so, yeah, Pete's a millennial at heart. All right, Pete, all right. Um, 
And then the next generation was uh, today's generation. I don't even Z. I think they're calling them Zs, but Generation Z. They don't even know what to do with them yet. But gener- let's go back at first for the millennials. There's lots of debate today over what characterizes millennials. You know, are they uh, you know, the first? Yeah, they're awesome. Thank you. Yep, they're the entitled generation, um, the generation that is not, not lacking in confidence. Um, uh, they uh, are the young adults of today. They're the rising workforce, right? They're all sorts of things. People talk about, you know, are there any use to millennials, right? Is there anything like that? And then other people talk about their passion and, and things. Um, but one quality that's emerging about this generation, which is, well, you'll, you'll hear it, it's, they're being called the anxious generation. The anxious generation. Stress among, among millennials is at an all-time high. Anxiety, depression, all these things, the mental issues are elevated in, in, in numbers they've not seen before. Um, lots of possible reasons, right? Raised with the Internet. This is normal, right? First generation to grow up with, with the Internet, to grow up with social media. Um, living in a post-9-11 world. So you think about that, you know, we didn't have to do, you know, I mean, think, I don't know the implications about kids today, but, you know, shelter in place, you know, that's what these kids are growing up with now. And, you know, in, in schools, like there's just something mentally that happens and the information age, you know, if ignorance is bliss, an abundance of information can be paralyzing. It can be crippling. Anxiety and mental health are some of the most prevalent issues facing this generation, and really all of us today. Um, most likely everyone in here either is, is related to, lives with, right, or, or knows somebody who is struggling with mental health. Right? I don't think there's anybody in here that doesn't know somebody that has some mental health right, challenges, that struggles and battles it daily. Research will tell us that one in five of you in the room are struggling with some sort of mental health issue and concern. That's a lot. Women are twice as likely to be affected as men. From depression to sleep disorders to eating disorders to bipolar to ADHD to OCD, PTSD, we are suffering from a cocktail of mental and emotional ailments every day. So if you're fighting a battle like this today, you know the toll it takes on you. You know the toll it takes on those around you. My guess is you're exhausted, both physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, most likely financially as well. There's all sorts of impact from emotional and, and mental illness. The giants we face inside, we talked about Goliath last week, but sometimes the giants we face inside are infinitely larger than the giants we face on the outside. Like people are nothing compared to my own challenges, right? So last week we talked about David and Goliath, and each week we've been examining the life of David, why God called him a man after his own heart. Remember, God said it. It wasn't like we said David was a man after God's own heart. God said, hey, David, that's a guy after my own heart, which is like pay attention because God said, hey, he's like me, right? So you want to pay attention to that. So far we found that David was humble and he was hopeful. Last week we talked about David and Goliath, how David was fearless. Right? He, he had faith in a, in a, in a big God, and, and Goliath didn't scare him at all. So today I'd like to kind of explore the, the flip side of that. Because soon after defeating Goliath, right? soon after he defeated Goliath, David was given an opportunity to serve King Saul. And in that moment, Saul 
was experiencing some torment, some mental illness. And how David responded and what we find out about his heart is actually incredibly important for us as we live in a generation and in a day and an age when anxiety and mental illness is becoming epidemic. So what we learn about his heart can both give us insight into our own lives as well as how about the lives of those around us. So I want to pray. Would you just pray with me for a moment before we get to this message because um, we're, we're all going to need it. Holy Spirit, would you grant us wisdom beyond our years and understanding that sets us apart. Lord, help us to gain clarity on what is plaguing us, on our families, plaguing our world, and let us discover how we can best express your heart in a world that desperately needs it. I thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So some context. Again, David's a shepherd boy, right? He's the youngest of eight. So imagine eight siblings. He's the, he's the, the runt of the litter. He's this little guy, um, you know, forgotten by his brothers, you know, and they, they're just the, he's the annoying little brother. Uh, Saul is king. He, for, he fails to do what God has told him to do. God says, hey, I'm going to make you king. You're going to care for my people. Saul kind of wanders away. He fails, and God says, all right, I'm going to anoint somebody else king then. I'm going to go find somebody who will do what I want him to do. And has Samuel, his prophet, anoint David king. So David is going to be king, but it's not time yet. So David is a shepherd, so he goes back to his sheep. So David's a king, anointed, a king in waiting, and he's out with sheep in the wilderness. Right, and so, so that's the situation. You've got this young brother who's out of nowhere anointed king, but it's not time yet. So he's kind of got all these mixtures in his head, right? And he's just like, like he's struggling. Like imagine, like knowing that you're called to be a king, but you're just with a bunch of sheep, and nobody thinks you're anything. Then he, his father sends him to the battle, right? And he goes, "Hey, there's a war going on. Go check in on your brothers. Bring him some some cheese and some bread, right? We talked about it. He's the busboy. He goes and brings cheese and bread." And he out there just so happens it's the day Goliath is out there. David says, what's going on? I could do this. Why, why are we not defending? You know, are we not going? He's got no fear. I've, I've killed lions. I killed bears. Oh, my. I don't care. about Look, what's Goliath? So David goes out there. He kills Goliath. It's this great, awesome victory. Now they're ready to crown him king. No, actually, you know what happens? David goes back to the sheep. Really? Yep, goes back to the sheep. And that's where we pick up the story. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. So David just killed Goliath. Right? And now we're going to pick it up. And it says this, Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. I'm going to pause right there. Can, is that sentence confusing to anybody else? If you have read this story before, this is one of those passages where you go, um, hold up. Is that saying that God is sending a tormenting spirit to Saul. What kind of God does that? Does God send evil to people? Like before we can go anywhere, we've got to like do business with this. The spirit first he leaves Saul, and then he then he sends a, a spirit to Saul to it. To, like hold up. Anybody else, or is that just me? I mean, you good with this? You just want to move on? So I don't have to talk about it. If you just want to move on, I mean, but if you'd like me to kind of like dig in a little bit, right? I'm not the greatest theologian. I probably cannot satisfy all your questions. If you have them. Um, God is big enough, you can ask him. Okay? But here's what I can say. Here's just a couple of things I can share to kind of maybe give a little light on this. Saul is not some random guy. He's not just some person. 
Saul is the chosen king of Israel. God said, I, my spirit I will put upon you. When you go back and read when Saul is anointed king originally, first king of Israel in Israel's history, people are clamoring for a king. God says, you don't want a king. They say, yes, we do. God says, fine. He gives them Saul. He anoints him. says his spirit comes upon Saul. Saul is prophesying. Saul is actually connected to God. God is in him to, to lead well. So Saul is someone who has stepped into this role of leadership of responsibility, and he's supposed to be leading well. And somewhere along the way, Saul forgets that. He forgets it. He's handpicked by God, and he turned to lead not just any people, but the people of God, the chosen people of God. These are God's, like, listen, I give you, listen, you go watch my kids. Instead of watching my kids, you just take care of you. I come home, and instead of you babysitting my kids, you were on your phone all night, and my kids have painted my house purple, right? Like, that's what's happened. Saul, you're supposed to be watching them, and you've abandoned this. I gave you responsibility, and now you've jeopardized the wellness of my people. You've jeopardized my relationship with my people. God sees the beginning from the end, right? He knows. He knows what's, what road Saul is leading the people down. He says, I don't want them going down that road. Saul's not just some random guy. He willfully chose to disregard God and to do his own thing. The implications of that extend far beyond Saul. It extends to a nation. And not just any nation, but you can track that nation back to Abraham. You can track that nation back to the beginning. This is the people of God all throughout history. God said, these have been my people. I've been walking them through, and I put them in your hands, and you're jeopardizing this. Saul says, I don't need you, God. I reject God. A rabbi was once asked, where is God? And he answered, God is everywhere we invite him in. God's everywhere we allow him to come in. Right? God can be everywhere. Yes, he is everywhere. But God, right, we have to open the door for God to be in our own hearts. Saul no longer made room for God, so God left. Could there be more tragic words? God left. And it wasn't that God just was like, hey, forget you, you screwed up. No, Saul rejected God, said, I don't want you. I don't, I don't, don't want to listen to you. In addition... We know that God is just and right in all he does. Right? There are things I do know and things I don't know. I don't understand all the complexities of the universe, but I know that God is always, is always just. He's always right. God can't do anything that's not right. And when you see what God does, you go, wow, that couldn't be more right. That's, that's like the rightest thing I've ever seen. It's everything God does is, is right and good. Okay. And God is just. He deals with things appropriately. He's the judge. And let me tell you, we want God to be just. We, we need God to be just because knowing that God is just gives us comfort to know that someday everything wrong is going to be made right. That wrongs will not go unaccounted for, right? There are people that do wrong to you, that do wrong in this world. And we're sitting there going, man, I want to make that all right, but I don't have to take vengeance because I know I have a God who one day will make all wrongs right because God is just. And he's perfectly just. He's never unjust. It's like, well, you didn't know this part about that person. No, God sees everything about everybody, and everything he does is absolutely just. So he's absolutely just, and he's absolutely good. Okay? So everything he does is good and right. So, when it comes to Saul here, I don't... I don't claim to understand all of this, but I do know this. One, Saul was not just a random guy. Two, Saul walked away willfully. And three, everything God does is good and right. There's still tension. Yes. I can't solve it all. No. 
but I can trust in those things. Right? So that's it. You can continue to do business with that and explore that, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in a moment. I want to make a disclaimer. I'm not saying that mental illness is, is always sort of this um, you know, judgment from God because people reject him. Like, Don't hear that. Don't, don't connect those dots. They are not connected. Okay, we're, not, we're not doing that. Is that fair? Right? We're not doing that. There are many faithful people who genuinely struggle with mental health. Don't hear that mental health is the result of sin. Okay, That's not what we're saying here. So we're going to continue, and then I'll finish a few, few thoughts. So verse 15 says this, Some of Saul's servants said to him, Hey, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Saul's like, thanks for pointing that out. I know that. Okay, um, verse 16, Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music, and you will soon be well again. He's going to play some Kenny G. Right? We're going to bring Kenny G in. You know, right? At that time, people believed that music had the power to ward off evil spirits. Right? That's what they believed. Music, music can affect your mood. Anybody? Yes. Does music affect your mood? Right? When you're in a good mood, you know what do you, you know, like? Like you know, I play basketball. I love, I love listening. To, there's certain music I just got to listen to before I play basketball because it gets you in the mood. Right? And there's you know there's certain just. There's times when like I'm tired and I don't I don't want to listen to that kind of music anymore. It's too loud and I'm done. I need something more chill, right? There's sometimes you like like Alison Krauss. Sometimes let's keep it low, right? Let's just nice and chill, you know. Just sit back and just like you know. There's just different times. You need different different types of music. Music affects our emotions. And these guys are saying, "Hey, boss, we need to get you some tunes. We need to help you out. You're having a bad day. We need to get you some music." All right, Saul said, "Find me someone who plays." Well, I like that. I don't want to listen to anybody. At least give me somebody who plays good. Right? Somebody plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. I always find it interesting to notice the nameless. Notice the nameless. Okay, It says, one of the servants said to Saul, just some random guy. He was like, hey, I, I know a guy. Like, think about it. If that servant, who we don't know, nameless guy, just some person, doesn't say, oh, I know a guy, right? Perhaps, right, they're getting Doug the tambourine player. Right? Instead, like, this is a completely different story. Without that servant, right, who opens the door for David to come into the king's quarters, who knows what will happen? All throughout life, there are nameless people who just speak at moments or do things at certain moments. Do not miss what God might do through you. And you might say, I didn't get credit for it. It doesn't matter. He could use you. So this is, this, is, this is a free sermon right there. Okay, moving on. Verse 19. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son David, the shepherd. Because where is he? Because he's back with the sheep. Because he's back with the sheep. What do you do when you're in the waiting? Remember when you've got to, when God has put something in your heart, but it's not time yet, and you're in the middle of waiting. I got a dream, man. I'm going to change the world, but you're not there yet because you're broke, or you're too busy, right? You got too much going on, right? I want to do all this stuff, but it's not time. What do you do in the waiting? You do what's in front of you. David was a shepherd. I will just continue to be shepherd. It feels like I'm wasting my time here. It feels like I'm not where I'm supposed to be. It's not where I want to be. But it's not time yet, so what are you going to do? You just, just be a shepherd. Back to the sheep. Verse 20, Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a, a nice gift of a young goat 
um, a donkey loaded with bread and a wineskin full of wine. If we start handing that out as our welcome packets, like here you get a goat, right, um, uh, and a donkey. And I know like, like probably like, I won't say how many, but a lot of you would sign up for the wine. I'm not going to. Um, so David went to Saul and began serving him. And Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. I was like, I mean, that's somebody you trust. That's somebody you trust. Verse 22 says, Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I'm very pleased with him. Listen, recently pointed out, no more sheep for David. Something has happened now. David has done. That chapter has ended for him. David will never again go back to being a shepherd. And the thing that got David out of being a shepherd was a harp. It wasn't a slingshot. It wasn't his wisdom. It was his ability to play the harp. As Nick said, the lyre. It's L-Y-R-E. He played with a pick as guitar players. After God's own heart, I agree with that. Verse 23. Whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. And Saul would feel better. The tormenting spirit would go away. Let me ask you, where do you think David learned to play music? In the wilderness, with sheep, right? He didn't go to music school. It wasn't like Juilliard, you know. It wasn't like going to go there, right? He, David's out with the sheep, and there's nothing else to do. A bunch of sheep. I might as well learn how to play this thing, right? Just playing a harp, right? He learned to play music in the wilderness. I bet David never thought playing the harp was the key to a relationship with the king. It was never going to be his access point. God doesn't waste what he's doing in your life. Those things you think are just hobbies. They're just interests. They're just little things. You have no idea how God can use something in your life. He doesn't waste anything. As difficult as it is to understand why God would now afflict Saul, right? There's that part, there's still that tension where from the beginning. That, why did God do that? In the same moments, we see that God shows grace to Saul by sending a remedy. God doesn't leave Saul alone in his torment, right? When David played, Saul felt better. See, God showed grace through David. Saul rejected God, and he suffered because of it. But God did not leave Saul alone. Right? What does this show us about David's heart, right? And when... And, one that God said was like his own. See, Saul was hurting, and God could have left him alone. God says, you rejected me? Tormenting spirit? Have fun with that one. Be in torment for the rest of your life. God could have done that, and it probably would have been fair and just because Saul's the one who rejected God. I didn't, I didn't dump you. You dumped me, right? Like, this is Saul's fault. But God for years, was preparing David in the wilderness for Saul. God loved Saul so much that he actually spent time investing in somebody else so that they could come and bring comfort to Saul. That preparation was not just for David to be king. It was also a source of comfort and help for Saul. And not only did God prepare David all those years, But he also just so happened to make these little connections along the way so that one day there would be this nameless servant who go, hey, I know a guy. You think that was just chance? Could that have been God? Orchestrating this little conversation where somebody says, hey, 
I know a guy who plays music. We should maybe go get him. He's a good guy. See, here's what this teaches us. God cares about the hurting. Often we question where is God in the pain? Where is God in the suffering? Our world is filled with people who are suffering. And, and we know mental illness is something both people outside and inside the church struggle with. And it can be very difficult for people of faith to struggle with mental illness. Right? If I'm a believer, why do I struggle with this? Right? I shouldn't have these problems. What's wrong with me? What kind of Christian am I? I desperately want to be at peace and, and joyful. God, where are you in this? While Saul was hurting, God was sending a David. While Saul was hurting, God was sending a David. And David didn't come to condemn him, to correct him, to preach at him, to point out all the, ra- the, the, the true theology. You need to think this, you need to think this, you need to... No, no, no. You know what David came to do? He came to sing. He came to sing. So the moral of the story is you should go and sing to everybody. Go ahead, just have a great week. Go sing. Um, what was it about David's songs that brought Saul such comfort? Like, what was it? I don't know. How about you tell me? Ready? I'm going to read a couple passages. You tell me. Psalm 8.3 says this, written by David, one of his songs. Lyrics to David's songs. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars you have set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. How many times did David looked up while he's out with the sheep in the hills. How many times did David look at the sky and maybe felt like, you know what, my life's just not that important. I'm out here for, forgotten with the animals. My brothers don't even know I exist. Lord, God, but yet the love of God found him there. And he writes lyrics like, God, when I consider all this, who am I that you actually care about me? Like, who am I? Maybe that... Maybe as he sang wonder-filled questions like that, who am I? It brought Saul comfort. Maybe as Saul's sitting there, right, struggling, that song came and brought comfort to his heart. Or Psalm 16 where David says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken. For he is right beside me. I imagine David away from his family, no roof over his head, alone in the hills, discovering that no matter where he went, God was with him. Maybe Saul feeling like God had abandoned him. In that moment, that sense that you can't get away from God, no matter where you go, just singing a song and saying, like, man, I've been there, and I just find that God found me everywhere. Maybe that brought Saul comfort. Psalm 18, David says this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my Savior. He's saying, My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He's my shield, the power that saves me in my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and He saved me from my enemies. Right? Perhaps this reminder of God's power. David said, listen, i got enemies you know, I got enemies. They're all around me, right? Playing his harp like this, maybe like this. But God's saving me, and maybe Saul's going, all right, I got enemies too, but maybe God can save me too. And I imagine Saul battled guilt and regret, right, from the times he had rejected God. Maybe David sang Psalm 19, which goes like this, How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I'll be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Maybe, right, 
Maybe David said, hey, listen, Saul, I'm no better than you. I'm not going to sit here and preach at you. Guess what? I don't even know what's going on in my own heart. We all got stuff. Let's sing a song. We all got stuff. You got stuff. I got stuff. We just need to ask God to help us with the stuff. Right? These are great songs. Later, you should record them. And our worship team can sing them next week. David very well could have been dealing with depression himself. You want to read through the Psalms? You tell me what this sounds like. Does this sound like somebody who's feeling great about life and everything's going well? Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you... Nope, next one. Here we go. Here we go. Nope, back one. Psalm 13. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Psalm 13, we don't have it. No. Here we go. There we go. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever, how long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? Does that sound like somebody who's having a great day? Does that sound like somebody perhaps in the throes of depression? And he continues. Maybe you've heard this before. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Anybody recognize those words? Jesus quotes them on the cross. Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. You struggle with depression. Does this sound familiar? Psalm 6. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. This is David writing these words. David, the king, the champion, the one that came to sing, and he's singing, I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? Return and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Verse 6, I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with tears. My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. See, David didn't just sing like, hey, you should just look at God because he's great. David sang songs of I'm in pain. I'm in agony. There may have been days David simply sat with Saul and hurt with him. See, David sang songs of faith and songs of fear. He sang songs of hope and songs of despair. David didn't have it all together. He wasn't like magic, right? But God used him to help Saul anyway. Because when David sang, Saul felt better. And maybe David sang songs that were like, man, life, life stinks. Love hurts. So I was like, right on. There's something about that when somebody gets you and they sing a song and you're like, yes. There's something to knowing what? You're not alone. What made the difference was not that David had answers for Saul. What made the difference was that David was with Saul. Big, big key here. Big key. A heart after God is compassionate. It cares. See, because compassion for somebody drives you to show up in their life. To just be present with them. Where is God in our suffering? Scripture tells us that he has sent his spirit as our Greek word paraclete. Anybody ever hear that word paraclete? Yes, thank you, Shana. Um, Paraclete. It's a word often translated advocate. 
but it can just as easily be transferred, uh, translated comforter. God is our comforter. See, because when we hurt, God comes. And he's with us. And he sends people our way. He shows up in our pain. So I'm going to invite just Anna and Nate to come on up and play for a moment. But Here's the so what. So what? All this stuff. David was with Saul. He showed up with Saul. So what? Here's the so what. Maybe today you're in the room and you are Saul. Maybe today as I'm talking, you're the one who's struggling. You are tired. You are worn out. You're weary. You're despairing. It might even feel like God himself is the one who's against you. You may feel all alone. Maybe you live with mental illness and you simply want peace. You need help. I believe in a God who still heals. Mental illness is a disease. I believe it can be healed. And I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for you in a moment. Maybe today you're Saul. But maybe today there's someone in your life who's struggling with this. Maybe there's someone around you, someone in your family, maybe a friend, a coworker, fellow student, classmate. And here's my question for you. Are you a David? That God can send us someone like Saul. And we go, what do I have to give? I'm nothing. I'm a shepherd. I play a harp. It's not useful for anybody. But what you have is exactly what somebody else needs. Are you willing to be a David? Can God use you to bring great comfort? Here's the great news. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the answers. You could be going through it yourself. Man, how can I help somebody when I'm struggling? See, because a heart after God's is a heart that says, I love enough to just show up. It's willing to sit with them in their mess for as long as it takes for comfort to come. It's going to show up. Don't just sit there and pretend like we got it all together. Let me tell you, if you're feeling lousy and somebody comes and starts preaching at you, you can keep walking. I'm not, that's not, you're not going to help me. You're not going to help me by showing up and telling me how perfect you are, how good you are, how much you don't struggle. Because if you don't struggle, you don't know me, you don't understand, and you have nothing to say to me. heart that cares, a heart of compassion, a heart like his just shows up, says, I'm here and I care about you. I'm just going to sing my songs. They might be happy songs, might be sad songs, but either way, I'm here. And somehow, when we show up, comfort comes. Because it says the Spirit who comforts us, the same Holy Spirit that brings us comfort, 
can then turn around and make us a comfort to somebody else. God doesn't just comfort us for us. But he gives us that so that we can comfort those around us and we live in a generation that desperately needs comforting. People are struggling. Often we don't talk about it. Nobody knows. You put on a happy face. You walk out the doors. You sit in your car. You turn it on and the tears start to come. Maybe it was a struggle to even get out of bed this morning and nobody knows. I'm glad you're here. You are loved. You are seen. God cares. Can we pray? I just want to pray for you right now. God, I believe you're here right now. That that you are here in the fullness of the comforter role that you have. God, you are here to comfort hurting and broken hearts. To heal Lord, our minds and our spirits. Lord, we live in a world of stress and pressure. It's overwhelming. And God, it does things that damages us. We struggle with fear and anxiety and depression and discouragement. Unable to focus. And God, I ask you, would you be our healer? God, would you bring healing today? If you're struggling today, I believe God is here and can heal you right now. If that's you today, you want to be free from whatever is afflicting your mind and your spirit. Would you raise your hand right now? I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. God, would you look around? God, would you see hands all over this place? God, would you see hands? God, see our hands. God, you see us. You care for us. In the name of Jesus, God, I ask you to heal now. In the name of Jesus, God, would you heal now? Would you restore our minds? Restore our spirits? Would you renew them? Would you transform them? God, would you remove fear? Would you remove anxiety? Would you speak peace? Would you speak stillness to the waves and the storms that are inside of us? God, when your spirit dwells inside of us, Lord, you speak peace and the waves die down. The noise can be silenced. Lord, you can bring light into those dark places. Lord, would you flood us with your Spirit? Right now, I ask all throughout this room, God, would your Holy Spirit just be here ministering among us, healing, healing, healing in this place? Jesus. Jesus, I just invite you here right now. Jesus, if you're thinking of someone else, would you just begin to lift their name up right now and say, God, we just pray for them right now. By name, give God GPS and coordinates. Pray for them. By name, God, you know, you, people you know, family members, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children, co-workers, neighbors, friends, classmates, lift them up by name right now. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that all throughout this town we begin to hear stories. People who are not even here this morning, who somehow Lord, their minds began to change. Stories of healing. Lord, of people perhaps right now feeling alone and despairing of life. 
And in this moment, light bursts through all throughout this town, throughout this county, Lord. Would it radiate from this place, God? God, your heart is for your people. You care. You love. Or would you bring comfort? Would there just be flood of comfort in this place? If God can use you this morning, if you say, God, I want to be a David. God, I want to be a David. I want to be used by you to comfort the brokenhearted. But I want, I want to bring hope to the hopeless. If God can use you, would you raise your hand right now and say, God, use me. God, would you raise up an army of Davids in this place? God, would you use us now to contend for those whose fight may not be seen on the outside, but internally are at war? God, fill us with songs that bring comfort. Fill us, God, with, with, with the sound of love, of care and compassion. God, we're not the source of comfort. We're merely vessels that you work through. So we offer ourselves to you today. May our families be blessed because of you. Because of what you're doing in our lives, Lord. May our workplaces and schools be blessed because of what you're doing in and through us. Lord, I pray for a generation of Davids to be raised up. Lord, for us to come out and to be comforters to people. Lord, they don't need any more critics. They don't need any more judges. But they need us to love you. And we, as we love you, God, you work through us to love them. Or would you just raise up a generation that would comfort the broken? May our towns and cities be blessed. Lord, we carry you inside us. Be the center, Jesus, of our hearts. May we love people like you love them. May we love ourselves like you love us. Thank you, Lord. For how you love us. And what you're beginning today, would you continue it throughout this week? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com.